most beloved passages in all of Scripture. A passage that, even in an increasingly unchurched age, nevertheless remains pretty universally recognizable. And part of that recognizability uh, can certainly be attributed to the way that this scripture has embedded itself in the culture uh, over the years. Uh, many of the major composers, like Bach and Bernstein and Dvorak and Schubert, have set it to music. Uh, modern musicians, from Pink Floyd to The Grateful Dead to U2 to Coolio and Eminem, have drawn on the images of this scripture in their, in their songs. It's also a scripture that's found its way into movies like The Elephant Man, uh, Titanic, uh, arguably the greatest movie of all time, <laughs> Pale Rider, starring Clint Eastwood, and True Grit. Right? And that scripture that has embedded itself so deeply is the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Now, the superscription for the 23rd Psalm, which is the introductory historical note that provides us with information about its composition, reveals for us that Psalm 23 is a Psalm of David, the youngest son of Jesse who would ultimately be anointed by Samuel as the king of Israel. But while the attribution of Psalm 23 is clear, while it's clear who composed it, the exact circumstances surrounding the Psalm are not. Some suggest that David composed this psalm while he was out in the fields, tending his father's sheep. Others suggest that he may have composed it while he was fleeing from King Saul during the period where Saul wanted to take his life. And still others have conjectured that the psalm was written during a later escape of David's into the wilderness, during the rebellion against him that was led by his son Absalom. But whatever the exact circumstances may have been surrounding this psalm, this psalm was written and stands as a piece of devotional music that celebrates God's character and expresses David's faith in him. And it's a scripture that for me uh, has always been very anchoring. Right? A text that time and time again has centered me and has brought a tremendous amount of comfort and peace, especially during times when things are uncertain or when things feel unstable or times when I'm experiencing grief or loss or change. And it's really because of that special anchoring quality that this is a scripture I think that feels particularly relevant and timely and fertile 
in this particular moment, right, as we walk together as a church community through this season of transmit, transition. And so this morning, we are beginning a series entitled 23, where over the next six weeks, we will journey together through the 23rd Psalm. And we're going to begin that journey this morning by exploring the metaphor that has that, that's at the very core of this text. This morning, we're going to explore what it means for the Lord to be our shepherd. Now, part of what makes Psalm 23 such an endearing scripture is the way that it evokes feelings of tranquility and peace. And that is certainly understandable given the psalm's lyrical beauty that we just experienced together, as well as the images in the psalm of things like still waters and green pastures. But while part of a shepherd's job involves leading the sheep to those kinds of places, there's another side of shepherding as well. Because caring for the sheep doesn't simply involve leading them to green pastures and still waters. It also involves protecting the sheep as well. Caring for the sheep also involves protecting the sheep. And shepherds have to be brave, and they have to be courageous, and sometimes they even have to be ruthless in order to do that. Shepherds have to have a real toughness and a grit about them. And that is something that David, the composer of this psalm, definitely showcased through his famous battle with Goliath. That the Israelites, remember, were at war with the Philistines. And they were being taunted twice a day by Goliath, who would come down into the valley, challenging any Israelite who was brave enough to a one-on-one -on -one battle. And as all of this was going on, David was sent by his father to deliver food to his three brothers who had followed King Saul into battle. And as David came and delivered that food, he learned about this challenge that Goliath had laid down. And he went to King Saul and he volunteered to take Goliath up on his offer. But King Saul, you might remember as the story goes, immediately dismissed the idea. David was too young. He was too inexperienced to take on Goliath. But look at what David says in response to that in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 34. David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. Now, David's argument there in response to Saul pressing him aside because he was too young and inexperienced, his argument there is that it's actually his experience as a shepherd, his experience battling lions and battling bears as a part of protecting his flock that had prepared him in reality to face Goliath. And of course, as the story unfolds, we know that David was right about that. And so shepherds are not only providers for the sheep, they're also very much protectors as well. And it's precisely because of that that the shepherd was a symbol of power and a symbol of authority in the ancient world. You know, it's interesting, the term shepherd 
was used in the ancient Near East to describe great kings, uh, like Hammurabi of Babylon and Ashurbanipal of Assyria. It was also used in the Old Testament to describe Cyrus, the king of Persia. And the term was used of kings because of the way that the shepherd's role mirrored the task of a king of protecting and providing for his subjects. And so as David makes this claim here at the beginning of Psalm 23, as he proclaims, the Lord is my shepherd, he is recognizing all of those things. He's recognizing the Lord as his provider. He's recognizing the Lord as his protector as well. David is recognizing God as king. And as we consider that this morning, and as we consider what it means for God to be king, it's important to highlight the fact that throughout the context of Scripture, God is consistently portrayed as a good shepherd. That he is portrayed as a good shepherd. Not only do we see that here in Psalm 23, where David talks about the Lord leading and pasturing and guiding and refreshing and protecting the sheep. We also see it in the book of Ezekiel as well, where the prophet charges that it was the failure of Israel's kings to shepherd the flock faithfully that had landed the nation of Israel in exile. Look at these words from Ezekiel chapter 34, beginning at verse 2. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to you, shepherds of Israel, who only take care of yourselves. Should not the shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds, clothe yourselves with the wool, and slaughter the choice animals, but you do not take care of the flock. You have not strengthened the weak, or healed the sick, or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And when they were scattered, they became food for all the wild animals. My sheep wandered all the, over all the mountains and on every high hill. They were scattered over the whole earth and no one searched or looked for them. And so Ezekiel reveals there that there were shepherds of Israel, kings of Israel, who had pretty comprehensively failed to fulfill their duty and their role, right? As king, as the protector and provider. They had failed in their role as shepherd, failed to protect and provide. And instead, Ezekiel says that they were taking care of themselves. They were eating the best food, wearing the best clothes, neglecting the weak and the injured. They were not searching for the lost. They were ruling harshly and brutally. And look at how God responds to this in verse 11. For this is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so will I look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. I will bring them out from the nations and gather them from the countries, and I will bring them into their own land. I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel, in the ravines, and in all the settlements in the land. I will tend them in a good pasture, and the mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land. There they will lie down in good grazing land, and there they will feed in a rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself will tend to my sheep 
and have them lie down, declares the sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak, but the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. You know, as we listen to those verses there from Ezekiel 34, it's hard not to get this tremendous sense for God's heart. Right? The tremendous passion that he has for being our shepherd. Right? And the repetition of that first personal pronoun there in those verses, I think, really makes us feel that. Right? God proclaiming, I will look after the sheep. I will rescue them. I will gather them. I will pasture them. I will bring back the strays and bind up the injured. I will shepherd the flock with justice. And by the way, as those verses unfolded, did you hear the resonance with Psalm 23? Ezekiel's prophecy is essentially describing the same thing. It's describing the Lord as the good shepherd. And it ultimately, of course, looks forward to Jesus who proclaimed in John chapter 10, verse 11, I am the good shepherd. Right? It looks forward to Jesus coming to intervene and intercede and do all of these things that Ezekiel 34 promises. And all of that, very much at the heart here of Psalm 23. Right? By proclaiming the Lord as my shepherd, David is recognizing that God is his king recognizes that God is his king. Now, not only does David's recognition of the Lord as his shepherd reveal something significant about who God is, but it also simultaneously reveals something significant about David's understanding of himself as well. And that is that by identifying the Lord as his shepherd, David is also identifying himself as a sheep. By identifying the Lord as his shepherd, David is also identifying himself as a sheep. And based on all of his experience and background as a shepherd, David, of course, would have been highly aware of everything that that meant. Right? As a shepherd, David was aware of a sheep's need for guidance. He was aware of a sheep's tendency to panic at the slightest sound. Aware of a sheep's inability to defend itself. Aware of a sheep's inability to track down its own food. Aware of how cumbersome and dangerous a sheep's wool could become when it was thick and tangled and matted. Aware of the struggle that sheeps have to recover from injury and disease. Aware of the craving that sheep have for human care. Right? As a shepherd, there were no misconceptions whatsoever for David about how utterly dependent sheep are. And so by proclaiming the Lord is my shepherd, David is also very much recognizing here how utterly dependent on God he is himself. He is recognizing how dependent on God he is himself. And that is something that, as we come to this text this morning, is really countercultural, right? Because we are very much living in a culture today that values independence, We live in a culture today that values independence, right? And we see that, among other things, in the way that success is so often correlated with things like living independently, 
or being financially independent or just generally not needing to rely on anyone else for anything. Now, we live in a culture that values independence and there's a lot of the narrative moves us toward that. But guess what? We're dependent too. We are dependent too. Because no matter how independent we might feel, no matter how strong or how self-reliant, how in control things may seem to be, the reality is that that narrative is nothing more than a veneer. That narrative is nothing more than a veneer. We are much less independent than we think that we are. Much less in control. Much less self-sufficient than we fancy ourselves to be. And the truth underneath all of that is that we long to be shepherded. We long to be shepherded. We yearn to be cared for. We yearn to be protected. And we yearn for that same care that sheep do. That same care that David is recognizing and acknowledging here in Psalm 23. And that, I think, is precisely why this psalm has been so deeply and broadly resonant across so many contexts. Because it reminds us that God is in control. It reminds us that God cares for us. It reminds us that through all things, he is walking with us. But Psalm 23 very poignantly reminds us that like David, we are sheep. And we are to depend on the Lord, our shepherd. And we are sheep who are to respond to the Lord with dependence. And David reveals that when we do that, when we depend on the Lord, our shepherd, when we rely on him, that last bit of Psalm chapter 23, verse 1, we lack nothing. Right? When we depend on the Lord, our shepherd, we lack nothing. And the grammar here in verse 1 of Psalm 23 underscores that in a really beautiful way. You know, it's interesting the the, the NIV translation doesn't really capture it, but the beginning of Psalm 23, verse 1, which reads, the Lord is my shepherd, is actually a purpose clause. It's a purpose clause. And so a more literal translation would read something like, since the Lord is my shepherd, or because the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. Right? And so... In the original language, there's this confidence, there's this certainty, there's this stability, there's this unwaveringness, if you'll allow me to invent a word this morning. And that extends to us as well, right? Because the Lord is our shepherd, we lack nothing. The Lord, our shepherd, satisfies something that we will be exploring together over the course of the next six weeks, is the way that Psalm 23 mirrors the migratory journey of a shepherd moving from place to place in search of good pasture for the flock during the, change, during the changing season. And that's captured for you in the series graphic here by the little pathway that makes its way around uh, the pasture of the number 23 on the graphic, which was created, again, by the great... Kyle Borges. 
but it mirrors the migratory journey of a shepherd moving the flock around during the seasons in search of food. And that journey of Psalm 23 begins in the green pastures near the quiet waters. It progresses down the faithful paths, through the darkest valleys, to the table land that has been prepared in advance, and then finally to the homestead. And through all of that, David very importantly reminds us that when we follow the Lord our shepherd and depend on him as we journey, we lack nothing all along the way. Right? The Lord our shepherd satisfies our every need along the way. Starting, of course, with that basic foundational need that all of us have for love and belonging. You know, Danielle identified that as one of the early things that we're teaching to our kids, but that's a lifelong lesson for us as we grow in our faith. That God satisfies our need for love and belonging. Right through Jesus, our good shepherd, and the gift of sacrificial love that he demonstrated on the cross for the forgiveness of sin, God has shown us the height and the width and the breadth and the depth of his love for us. It's through Jesus that God has reconciled us to himself to present us, as Colossians 1.22 says, holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. And it's also through Jesus, our good shepherd, that we belong to God's family. At 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. There's nothing more important for us to remember, I think, than that. Nothing more important for us to remember than our belovedness. Nothing more important for us to hold close than our identity as God's children. And as we walk with him, as we'll see in the unfolding of Psalm 23 in the coming weeks, God refreshes us. He guides us. He guards us. He covers us. And he pursues us. Right? Because the Lord is our shepherd, we lack nothing. We're going to close our time together this morning by sharing in the practice of communion. And it's through communion Right, that we remember the love that God has shown to us through the life and the death and the resurrection of his son, Jesus. The bread represents Jesus's body and the cup represents Jesus's blood. And through those elements, we remember our belovedness. We remember the gift of sacrificial love that Jesus demonstrated on the cross. We remember our inclusion as his children. Around the room, you'll find three communion stations, one that's right here in front of me, another one in, uh, to my left, one in the back uh, right here as well. And at each of the stations, there are elements that are available to you in several forms. And as the band leads us in a song, whenever you are ready, uh, you're welcome to make your way to one of these stations, get the elements in whatever form you prefer, and then return to your seat. And when you've returned to your seat, you're welcome to partake of these elements individually whenever you're ready.
So as we come to the table this morning, may we do this in remembrance of him. Would you pray with me? Our Father in heaven, we thank you for all of the depth and the richness of this very simple image at the beginning of Psalm 23. An image that is so familiar to us, so simple in one respect, but so, so deeply profound in another. We thank you, Father, for your love for us. We thank you for your care for us. We thank you for your protection of us. We thank you for your faithfulness as we wander so often in our ability to depend on you. And we thank you for the simple truth this morning, God, that since you are our shepherd, we lack nothing. As we sit with that this morning, as we walk together, God, through all of the ways, through this journey of Psalm 23, that you show us that we lack nothing. Would you tether us to yourself anew? Would we hold on, God, to the immensity of your love for us? Would we hold on to the belonging that we have as your children, the belonging that we have in community? And God, would we treasure treasure, the privilege that we have to walk with you, our good shepherd, along the way. We love you, Father. We open ourselves to dependence.